Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am your host for this episode, Dr. Hector Garcia. During this special new student-led podcast episode, we will discuss colorism as part of our social sciences student minority group and their special projects focused on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to our special guest today, Dr. Kendra Thomas, who is Senior Director of People Experience and Belonging here at SNHU. Thank you for being here, Dr. Thomas. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great. It's a pleasure to be here. In this student-led podcast event, we are also privileged to have with us some special guest interviewers who are all members of the Social Sciences Student Minority Group. Here with us today, we have Jasmine Brown, Raquel Becknell, Tiffany Bryce, and Izzy Runyon, all members of the committee. It's great to have you here with us today, students, and I know we're going to be hearing from you in a few minutes. So at this point, because it's a special episode led by students, I'm going to turn it over to your special host today, and that is our very own student, Raquel Becknell. So Raquel, the show is in your hands. Take over. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. Um, as a part of human behavior, it is a norm to encounter stereotypes daily, and it has been for as long as the existence of humankind. Unfortunately, most of the stereotypes that we encounter are formed from an unconscious bias. There are many unconscious biases that we encounter daily, but one that is most impactful, especially in the Black community, is known as colorism. Colorism is generally defined as a discriminatory practice by which lighter skin tones, straight hair, and relatively more Eurocentric facial features are preferred over darker skin tones, kinky hair, and more stereotypical Afrocentric facial features. Dr. Thomas, this is a very important topic, and would you give us a brief background on yourself today? Yes, absolutely, Raquel. Um, well, I am someone who practices radical joy in everything that I do. Uh, and a big part of that is in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, it's really important to find joy in the lessons that are learned uh, and the experiences and the opportunities to um, have more of an awakening and understanding um, of the issues that should be bringing us together instead of further separating us. So uh, this topic is uh, very near and dear to my heart for both personal and professional <laughs> reasons. Um, and it's always beautiful to see those two things align. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Dr. Thomas, for giving us a brief intel about yourself. And now I will be turning it over to our 
fellow committee member, Tiffany. Thank you, Raquel. I appreciate that. Hey, Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey. Um, we have two questions, obviously. And um, one of the questions I want to start with is when did colorism arise? Yeah. Um, my friends and I joke about something that isn't too funny, but whenever something comes up regarding racism or um, or any type of biases, uh, we, we always track it back to slavery. And I think that correlation of the, the closeness to whiteness is a real thing. And they use that uh, to further uh, create separation uh, during the time when black people were enslaved. So for example, if you were lighter skin, uh, you would probably work in the house. And uh, the darker complexion you had, you were more than likely outside. So uh, that has kind of bled through our systems and um, even how we exist today, unfortunately. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree. Um, so thank you for giving, giving us your feedback on that. Um, we do have other questions. I'm going to go ahead and introduce my co-colleague, Jasmine. Hello, Dr. Thomas. Hi. Thank you for meeting with us today. I know that sometimes unconscious bias is defined as social stereotypes about certain groups of people. So how does unconscious bias manifest in the Black community? Hi, Jasmine. Uh, that's a really great question. Uh, I think for the sake of our conversation, it's really important to level set um, unconscious bias. First of all, no one is free of having bias. Everybody, no matter your race or ethnicity, your socioeconomic background, anything, um, we are all uh, we all have unconscious biases and those things stem from a lot of different places. It could be your lived experiences, your childhood. It could be your current career, your past careers. Um, <clears throat> it can be the relationships that you've developed over time. Um, and uh, mainly it can also come from your social groups. So the people you hang out with. And um, it can be used as a way to make you seem like you're above people. And other times it can feel like you're the one being othered. So <clears throat> within the Black community, there's been this trickle down effect of what's happened due to the events of slavery and the trauma that was experienced. So was I a slave? No. Were my parents uh, enslaved? No. Were their parents? No. But uh, a few generations before them, absolutely. And there were certain things that they had to do to protect themselves that have trickled down. And that's where those biases come from. So um, they're really laced in stereotypes. So for example, uh, someone saying that Black people can't swim. And then a black person saying, you know, I can't swim is that's coming from a bias, right? When the truth is our people are from the continent of Africa and they were surrounded by water and they also had to fish and hunt and do all of these things. And it was encouraged for a lot of tribes, especially along the shoreline anyway, to 
swim and hunt for their food, get on boats, create boats, all of those different things. And during um, the time of enslavement, anything that got you away from the plantation is a bad thing because then there was an opportunity to escape. So we think about how unconscious bias may show up during that time. So, uh, oh no, don't swim, right? Don't swim, don't, don't read, don't get any new knowledge because any new knowledge is going to take you away from what I need you to do here on this plantation. And the more thoughts and ideas you have can take away. So fast forward now to 2023 and within our community, within our communities, there may be some of those lingering effects. So I bring up swimming because it's the one that comes top of mind for me where um, I know how to swim. My kids know how to swim, but I made that a really important point for them to learn how to swim because I didn't want them to be a part of a stereotype and I want them to be safe if they're ever caught in the water. But a stereotype that causes harm could also be the pursuit of higher education, the pursuit of learning more knowledge. And if we are making assumptions about ourselves, then we also are allowing people who are outside of the Black community to also keep those um, stereotypes alive and make those inappropriate judgments on us um, based on biases that maybe they've seen on TV. Maybe they've um, heard from someone else. They may have never really interacted with a Black person. So all of those things create um, unconscious bias. Um, I think within our community, within the Black community specifically, we have to do better in recognizing when we're causing harm to ourselves and when we're causing harm to others in our community. Um, And we should not be living by those biases that we're creating that create harm within our own communities. So with colorism, that's a big deal because of things like the brown paper bag test and Anything that makes you um, adjacent to whiteness or closer to whiteness, that doesn't mean that you are better than or how it impacts hair texture um, or the view or the impressions of hair textures. So it's when we talk about colorism, that is rooted, of course, in unconscious bias. and, And I don't think that we're internalizing it in a way that we're thinking, oh, are we showing that we're hating ourselves? You know, Um, because we may not feel like we hate ourselves, but we may not feel like we're able to fully show up because of the biases that surround us and the biases that we continue to perpetuate and, um, and not even being able to take the time to sit with that and process where those thoughts and ideas have actually come from. I will now turn it over to my committee member, Annabelle. Hi, Dr. Thomas. I'm so excited to be here with you today. You spoke previously with Jasmine about rewriting the narrative together as the Black community. In order to help each other become aware of biases that can cause harm, 
within our communities. I just wanted to ask you, how does confronting colorism within our communities help us prevent colorism within the future? Hi, Annabelle. It's nice to meet you. Um, I think this is, this is a, a heavy question, but ultimately I, I think it is our responsibility as individuals. So taking ownership of self and the words that we use and as a collective um, to really think about the language that we're using. Um, we have to, uh, think about how we're communicating to one another. And we have to, again, acknowledge that, um, biases in fact exist. And, um, I think loving your blackness wholly is, is an important factor there that if you, if you lack love, self-love, it's easy to perpetuate a stereotype. Um, I remember a few years ago, I had gone into a hair shop. Um, so where they sell wigs and, you know, weaves and like all the amazing products in the world that you just walk out with things just because they smell good. And as soon as I stepped foot into this shop, the first stand that I saw was nothing but skin bleaching uh, creams. And it shook me to my core so much. This was about six years ago because I was like, first of all, this is a huge message. It's right here in the front of the store. Like I can't avoid this product because it's right here. Now, I love my blackness. I, I love when I tan. I love when I don't tan. I love every shade of who I am and who I will become. I love how my blackness is so deep within who I am that it is a part of my identity and I wear it proudly. Um, but I was thinking, what if someone who doesn't have that self-love walks in and that's the first thing they see? Maybe they think, oh, I'm going to give it a try, you know, because maybe maybe I should be lighter. Maybe that is a thing. Um, and that's, I think that's the true harm is some people in our community grow up not being told that they're beautiful just the way they are, or that they have all of these amazing attributes. And it, it goes beyond, um, oh, you're, you're pretty or you're cute or you're handsome for this type of black person, you know? So, um, and I've, I've encountered that as well, you know, where people have approached me and they're like, oh, you're beautiful for a black girl. And they mean it as a compliment. And first of all, I don't need anyone to tell me about myself because I think I'm great. I don't really care what anybody else has to say, but it's important to recognize that some people grow up with these biases and they, they're not recognizing that they're causing harm. They mean it as a compliment or they mean it to shoot somebody down, you know, and make them feel bad. So I think it's important to recognize where you stand on the matter. I think that if you are a parent, a caregiver, an aunt, a brother, a father, a sister, a friend, 
that you watch the language that you're using when you're communicating with other people. And also think about the things that you're um, communicating that aren't coming out as being verbal. You know, maybe it's written, maybe it's body language. Um, And I think that's the first way, like acknowledging that you have biases that may um, reveal themselves in colorist ways. Um, when you're looking at TV, uh, do you do you look at people based off of their shades and create your own stories about them um, that may or may not be true? Um, is it causing harm? Do you react to someone differently or do you give them more favor or make more excuses for them based on the shade of their skin? If so, you might need to pause reflect on that a little bit, and then um, try to figure out where those feelings are coming from and why they're, you know, why they're bubbling up. So um, I think that there's a lot of self-work that needs to be done. I think it's important to talk about the, have those conversations with family. Um, I know that I've had conversations with my own family because uh, I come from a diaspora of Black and brown and uh, Creole and all all the things and the people with the lighter complexion and the the better grade of hair. I'm using air quotes for because you all can't see that. Um, we're seen as the most beautiful and you know perceived more opportunities or whatever the case may be. And the ones who were darker, then there was this challenge of if you have if you're darker complexion of darker complexion and you have a better grade of hair, then you sort of get a pass into that other world. Clearly as an adult, none of those things matter, right? Um, Or they shouldn't matter, but it took a lot of time for me to muster up the courage to have the conversations with people. Why do you feel this way? Where, where is this coming from? And the answers that I received were mind blowing. And then also some people won't change because they've used those, those privileges to um, reach whatever level of success that they've wanted. So I think that when I even look at my own biases in that with, from that lens, I try to make sure that I'm being open-minded asking clarifying questions, um, actively listening instead of seeking, like ready to have a rebuttal. Like I really seek to understand. I listen to understand and then I um, move forward. But it's not to argue with anyone. It's not to prove that I'm right and they're wrong. It's more so to just simply understand where other people are coming from and also make me think how I can be a better parent, a better friend, partner to people um, who have been impacted by colorism. Thank you, Dr. Thomas, for sharing all that insightful information on how to confront colorism. I am now turning it over to Tiffany. Thank you so much, Annabelle. I appreciate that. And Dr. Thomas, thank you again for being here and answering these questions for us. Um, it's, it's a great privilege to have you here answering these questions because we do need to highlight, you know, um, 
topics such as colorism in our community. We did, in the last answer that you gave for Annabelle, um, you did touch on family, which is dear to me because I have my own family as well. And I do have to have those discussions with my children. You know, changing the narrative is um, also changing it for future generations. So I guess we talked about, you kind of answered the question, um, how does colorism affect families? So I guess when we're talking about families, how how can we, um, what, where would you say would be a good start for us to to address issues as, as, as to how it affects families? So kind of redirecting the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, hmm. Sometimes, unfortunately, you don't even know that you need to have the question until something comes up. Um, I have a little boy who started kindergarten a few years ago. I think he was six, five or six. And he's, um, uh, he's more uh, dark complexion than I am. And we lived in a predominantly white area. He came home one day and he had, um, he was changing an avatar and he changed it to a little white boy with straight hair. And I was like, baby, what are you doing? And uh, he was like, oh, my, um, I'm just changing it. And then he said, uh, my friend at school told me that my skin is dirty and his skin is better than mine. And um, it broke my heart. It still breaks my heart. And I immediately became his advocate, went to the school and had some words. And uh, <laughs> but I also talked to my son. And I loved on him and I continue to love on him. And um, we've always gone to African-American museums and learned about African history and black history. And it just made me realize that no matter what I say in the house, we also have to continue to live it. And there's only so much I can do outside. So I have to instill the, the belief that he is worthy because he is who he is, not because of all of the other things that are outside, but because he is who he is. So I do that. I breathe life into my husband. My husband breathes life into me and I breathe life into my friends and my family. So I don't, I don't approach people with, with, um, with hate. I approach them with love and light with radical joy again. Um, and I, and I encourage everyone to try that. So instead of trying to pick somebody apart for whatever, you know, whatever you're feeling, the biases, um, if I know they say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. What I will say is that may not be the thing, but there's so many things that can bring you joy in a conversation with someone. And I would lean into that. And when it comes to your blackness, there's so much to celebrate. There are more stories that could be shared about our triumph and our successes than the things that make us feel like, oh, we've had to work so hard and oh, we have to have all of these hustles. And because that's not the case, like we deserve to have movies about nothing. We deserve to take naps and protect our peace and, you know, elevate our joy. So I think that there's room for us to do that when we reflect on things like colorism, because that may, that may be something that's still happening. It is still happening, but it doesn't have to be what we carry with us into our futures. 
Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that answer with us. So ultimately, we just have to change the conditioning and how we think. Yes. Um, so I appreciate that. Definitely. And I can relate to how you taught your son as well, because I do the same thing with my daughter. Had a similar situation, but now is not time to discuss it. So thank you for being a um, positive product in society for that. Sending you love on that. Thank you. Um, with that being said, Dr. Thomas, again, thank you for your time and answering my questions and our questions today. I'm going to give you back over to Raquel. Um, I appreciate you again. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany. I would like to thank everyone for those amazing questions and Dr. Thomas for enlightening us on our current topic. Can you please provide us with three key takeaways or important points to remember on confronting colorism? Yeah. Um, walk in your light. Um, be mindful of your language and, um, and any time that your first thought is something negative, um, that would lend to leading, leaning into colorism, pause and think about where those thoughts are coming from so you can correct them in the moment. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. We appreciate your time. And now I will turn it on over to Dr. Garcia. Well, thank you very much. First of all, big thanks to the students who did an outstanding job Great today job. as podcast interviewers. They, they were really shining, uh, shining stars today. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much. The information that you relayed to us, the personal examples, um, I think those are the ones that really will be things that our listeners will remember. The hair shop, the avatar story, um, those types of things really bring these topics to light because people can talk about these in theories, things are going on. It's happening in real life and this is what we need to do. And your points about radical joy, about focusing on the light, watching yourself, self-reflection, all critical. And I like that you mentioned about the thoughts of negativity. And so, um, as a matter of fact, we have an, another session on developing a winning mindset that shows that 80% of all the thoughts that people have on an average day are negative, 80%. And so with your radical joy, perhaps we can counteract that and turn them more positive. So thank you again for everything that you've done. Our students have done a great job and the entire committee has worked diligently and we appreciate them. So Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for being with us in this episode and sharing your valuable insights and thoughts on this important topic. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Raquel, Tiffany, Annabelle, and Jasmine. And um, thank you, Dr. Garcia. This was a great time. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Hector Garcia, and I have been your host for this episode of agents of change. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.